facts. In a talent market that is more competitive and less understood than any other time in history, it's the facts that matter. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that delivers the facts, the latest research and data on the key issues and opportunities facing talent acquisition and HR professionals. Hello and welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that is all about the facts. And here's one of the most important facts in talent acquisition. If you want to get all of the improvements and KPIs that you're looking for in acquiring talent technology, you have to make sure that it's implemented effectively, that it's introduced in a way that the talent team can, or the recruiting team, I should say, can use it to best advantage. And that's what this podcast is all about helping you and your organization start smart in the acquisition and implementation of talent technology. And for this edition, we're going to talk about a topic that gets bandied around a lot, but I'm not sure is completely understood. And that is that talent technology, one of its benefits is that it enables recruiters to do the things they do best. We're going to talk more about that. And my guest at today's podcast is Oliver Feekins, who is the founder and CEO of track five. Oliver, welcome to the show. Thanks. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. You bet. So let's begin by having you introduce yourself and telling us a little bit more about your company. Yeah. So my name is Oliver Feekins. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called track five. So track five owns and manages several job platforms, job sites that operate in specific verticals, right? So we have, we create job uh, platforms or career platforms in nursing, you know, therapy, rehab, physicians, aviation, trucking, whole host. And then we manage that software and then sell it as a service to companies looking to hire. We also have an, a recruitment agency side of the business, which helps companies uh, recruit talent and help them navigate some of these HR tech challenges related to the technology, but also the the sourcing side as well. So a little bit of both. Yeah. J- Jack of all trades. Master of none. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, uh, as I said at the outset, uh, and as we both know, probably everybody knows, uh, there's been more than a little commentary that the introduction of talent technology is going to enable recruiters to get out from all those administrative and process burdens that they have to deal with day in, day out, and, quote, do the things they do best. You know, based on all of your interaction with with recruiters and talent acquisition professionals, what do you think those things are? What are the tasks, the roles, the capabilities that recruiters has historically not been able to uh, perform or, or have performed on, only occasionally? Right. So when we're kind of looking at these tasks, we're kind of thinking of them as what do the recruiters do best? What do the recruiters actually need to do? Or, or let me flip that upside down. What can it, what does a recruiter not need to do? What can be, you know, outsourced or outsourced to technology or, or, or whatnot, right? And when we, we think about it in that, that lens, we're thinking about recruiters really needing to, to invoke that actual, you know, emotional recruiting sales process, usually over the phone, right? Being able to communicate with the person that's sourcing that talent, being able to communicate with the the, organi- the hiring organization and get feedback and things like that, being able to understand that. That's really hard to, to, to give to technology, right? That human element, no matter how good AI is, it's not there yet. It just, it, 
it's not human, right? But everything around there, the monotony, the administration of the task can be outsourced. So we start thinking about things like scheduling, very, very basic administrative tasks, right? Uh, you know, there's AI powered scheduling now, there's, there's funnels or sequences that allow AI to help the recruiters move from task to task without being told to, right? We think of in, uh, you know, interim communication management, right? Where AI can help send text messages and help move uh, potential prospects or candidates through a pipeline without having to have the recruiter actually do it, right? We have AI powered video coming into play now where uh, the interviews can actually be done by AI. And, and not only can they be done by AI, they can be analyzed by AI. So, you know, this is something that used to take a recruiter out for hours of a day to do. And, you know, the analysis and everything like that. And now when a recruiter is not doing all those things, what are they doing? They're actually being able to, to funnel candidates and being able to stockpile active candidates to be able to push them out into being placed, right? So this would usually require, you know, an organization to have multiple recruiters to do this volume, where now we're seeing one recruiter being able to do it uh, with the assistance of all these tools. Okay. Well, it, it sounds to me like that what you're saying is that technology frees recruiters up to express some attributes that they otherwise would not. I, I, you just described their ability to be empathetic, to really build uh, the kind of relationship with a prospect that encourages them, no matter how passive they might be, to submit an application. I've also seen some research that suggests that technology also enables recruiters to express creative thinking. And what that would seem to suggest is that it frees recruiters up to think about how to improve their own performance, how to, to improve the team's performance, and maybe even how to do things better than they have historically done. And what springs to pine there is, is, uh, is job ads, which are pretty terrible. And if we can add a little creativity to them, that would be terrific. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to, to piggyback on the job ad comment, it's always amazing to me, you know, we have these hiring organizations that spend thousands of thousands of dollars on, on our platforms over at Track 5, right? And for us, everything starts with a job ad. You know, it, it starts with, you know, what are you looking to hire, the specifics of the, of the job, and it comes in that format, right, or that information. And, you know, it is, you would think that a hiring organization that's spending money on this, and this is the vehicle that does it across all their advertising sources, this would be where they start, right? We're going to have a really great solid job ad because everything relies off this specific piece of communication. And it's like not the case at all. It's the biggest fight I think all job boards have is trying to get this this correct and over. Some of it is issues coming from their applicant tracking system, you know, or, or their, their database or their hodgepodge of, of HR tech tools that aren't speaking well to each other. But that that's huge, right? And if technology can help fix these things and get them to where they need to be, then they'll be better off for it. But I just want to make the comment too. It's as we're talking about how we can automate and improve things. It's funny because I, I would want hiring organizations to also make sure that they don't forget the very most basic things that are so important, like the messaging and communication in the job ad, right? Yeah. And uh, let me add a point that I've been hammering away at on social media. And that is that you cannot write a better job ad with ChatGPT. ChatGPT as a large learning model is trained with historical data. And the historical data around job ads is atrocious. So all you're doing is learning how to be better at writing atrocious ads. That's not going to help you. So it, it takes human 
creativity to write a good job ad. And that's a great segue, it seems to me, into my next question, which is, is the ability to do these things that recruiters haven't been able to do historically, is, is this a an off-on switch? I mean, when, once the technology is in place, are, are recruiters prepared? Do they actually have the skills, for example, to immediately start doing these things they haven't been able to do? So, no, not an on and off switch. So it's it's weird. In a couple of different ways, you can you can think about how this works, right? So there's the implementation side of this, and that sometimes can be problematic. But for the most part, it's generally easy. They they are designed to, to work. There's onboarding tools to get these things implemented. But then there's the case of who's watching this now. You know, this frees up extra you know uh, task. What are we doing with that time? Who's going to make sure that the KPIs are hit? And you know, there is that new entrance of a role, which is making sure this software is actually performing the way it's supposed to. And with, when we talk about things like, like generative AI in recruiting, that, that can be pretty dangerous. I mean, there's bias there. You know, you can mess up a lot on the, the AI for sales side way more than you can mess up on the AI for recruiting side. There's some, some larger implications there, especially when it comes to things like discrimination and things like that and, and bias that you have to really watch out for. So um, specifically when you get into automatic sourcing and things like that and using the tools for, for helping with sourcing. So there has to be a human element to kind of at least guide it. You talked about data being an issue, uh, bad data in, bad data out, right? So you've got to continually update that data set and make sure it's it's there. So it's not an on and off switch. It's a, it's a gradual thing, and it's it's definitely not set it and forget it, which is how it's generally sold, but it is not. I think it's also important to acknowledge that the recruiting team and individual recruiters specifically, by definition, have not had much opportunity to exercise these skills. So the skills of empathy, of creative thinking, they may be the things that recruiters do best, but they're out of practice. And it would seem to me that uh, making sure that you think through what you're hoping to achieve over and above the improvement in KPIs, those things are discrete and you can measure them, but over and above that, you know, what other things are you hoping that recruiters will be able to do? And you need to prepare them for that, you know, just as you do skill training for the use of a new piece of technology, you need to think about maybe we need to refresh the skills that we think recruiters have uh, that enables them to do things best. Maybe we need to refresh those skills a little bit. What do you think? No, absolutely. And I'd like to take that one step further that we're seeing currently. Um, so a lot of these platforms that are coming out now have a lot of this automation, a lot of this AI-driven you know, task automation involved, right? And are really trying to take in some of the work away from the recruiters. And what we're seeing is a lot of these recruiters are actually losing some of their core skills because they haven't used it that much. So for example, we have recruiters that are forgetting how to source. You know, we're having recruiters that are forgetting how to actually interview and how to go through these roles and have some of these soft skills that they they used to use, right? And this became really, really big during the pandemic where everything kind of went remote. That's when we saw the automation, the HR techs just explode with skills and, and with, with features. We're, you know, we're, we talk to our clients and they talk about, they always kind of refer to this as pre-pandemic and post-pandemic as far as the effect of their recruiters and how effective they are. They were, for example, talking about people that kind of came in during COVID in the last few years where all these tools are prevalent, having you know much harder time being able to recruit now than the recruiters that were here five, 10 years past that actually didn't have any of these tools. I had to go and do this the hard way. And what we're starting to see now, we had a, a client about two weeks ago 
we had a, had a recruiter that's been in this business for about 10 or 15 years, ask if he could be taken off all the, the automation tools. And he wanted to see if he could outdo them. So the, the, uh, the founder of that company, that recruiting firm said, sure. And this guy ended up 5Xing the results of the teams that were on the automation. So I think we get so sometimes so pigeonholed into the automation, into the AI driven, you know, it sounds great. We, we can replace five recruiters with this one piece of software. So they say, but we forget that there's actual skill involved in recruiting. If it was just that simple where we could just replace it with an AI model and, and make it happen, you know, it's almost a little too good to be true. It's, it's, it's a tool that helps, but it's just, it's, it's not a direct replacement for amazing recruiting. You mentioned that a lot of your clients, you know, think in terms of pre-COVID and post-COVID. I think we also ought to think about pre-economic slowdown, post-economic slowdown, because based on social media messaging, a lot of recruiters have been laid off, which which means that when the economy inevitably reaccelerates, companies are going to start rehiring recruiters, and they need to think about reskilling those new recruiters for the tools and technology that they have. And I would argue, as I said just a second ago, they also ought to reskill them in the things that recruiters are thought to do best. Those, those muscles, uh, intellectual and personality muscles that they've not had a chance historically to be able to exercise. Now, while they're doing that, I think there's another issue that they need to keep top of mind. You know, in a previous edition of this podcast, we explored, you know, how you build acceptance of new technology in the recruiting team. You know, sometimes you really do get some pushback in terms of using the new technology. I think your example that you just gave is a case in point. So do you think that there could be internal pushback against recruiters who don't want to do the things that recruiters do best. You know, they just, they're perfectly happy, thank you very much, to do what they've always been doing. And even though technology can free them to do other things like be more empathetic or more creative, they would rather not. What do you think? Yeah. So again, a kind of a double-edged sword, right? There's there's the group of recruiters who believe that the technology is going to replace them, right? So there's an accountability fear there, right? If um, Am I going to be measured against you know, this AI driven, you know, outreach tool that can do what I do in a day and in an hour, right? Um, how am I going to compete with that? There's natural, there's natural fear there, right? I think on the other side of that, you have, you know, the, the, the C-suite that's looking at this as a cost savings, right? But then they're also looking at it as how do we implement this? What kind of technical requirements do we need? Uh, how do we integrate this into our tech stack, which already has 15 different pieces attached to it? Uh, how do we maintain this? You know, how do we bring these things together? So, you know, there can be a little bit of an issue with, with the implementation side of it, kind of bringing that in and, and slowing this or less eagerness to bring it together. My advice in, into these companies is to, uh, so often we kind of sit back and draw this whole dream team out of HR tech tools that are going to work together. And really, it should be piece by piece. I mean, it's okay to have a conversation or a thought around what's the big picture. But, you know, having, uh, you know, a tool here and a tool here, there and, and bringing it on piece by piece so you can effectively evaluate it and kind of warm up the entire team together, I think is a better approach than a drastic, uh, you know, change to the, to the tech stack. 
So that would suggest that if one of the reasons that we're buying this stuff, of course, we want to get improved KPIs. But one of the other reasons is that we want to free recruiters up to do the things that they do best. We need to be very specific about what those things are. And if I understood what you just said, we want to pick one. Let's focus on a discrete thing that we can all get together and uh, agree is an important objective and something that we ought to all work towards together and also I would argue we need to assess our progress uh, and maybe even incent recruiters to so that they feel as if they're being rewarded for doing these things that uh, they haven't historically been able to do. Right. I mean, let's just take sourcing, right? You know, we recruiters spend so much of their time in different databases and job sites looking for potential candidates and over LinkedIn. And, and that's an extremely manual process. Like, you know, and now there's all these tools out there that can actually go in and source and, you know, all these places at once. I'm thinking of like the higher EZs and everything else like that. You know, maybe that's the first goal we want to look at. We want to be able to source you know, at a, a 5x rate of what it takes us to source these candidates, we want to do it in five, in, in five times less, or, you know, we want to bring in five times as many candidates for the same time, you know, and it's, it's all part of a funnel, right? If we can source five times more candidates, do we get five times more interviews? Do we get, you know, five times more placements? It all starts at the base level. It's like when you're in sales, right? The more phone calls you make, the more demos you get, the more sales you turn. It all starts with increasing that number. So if we can get, you know, tools to help make the most arduous process quicker, faster, more efficient. The, the rest will trickle through the recruitment funnel and, and, and should end up with those higher goals. But, you know, instead of bringing in 16 different tasks and, and automating them through 16 different pieces of software or one big software that does everything, let's really just gather around around the first big initial goal and let's make that happen. And it's, that's just less daunting than, than having to have that much change across that large platform, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, and I think we also have to manage our expectations. You know, I think, again, one of the, the skills that I think recruiters inherently have, they are people people, and they the skill that they don't often get to express as much as, is empathy, uh, or the attribute, I should say. Empathy should, in and of itself, improve conversion rates. And, you know, I'm sure there will be some analysts, some people analytics that say, oh, you know, we can we can measure these soft skills by measuring conversion rate. And in point of fact, uh, as we were talking about earlier, improving conversion rate begins by writing a better job ad. So, you know, you, first you've got to get them in the door before you can do those things that recruiters do best. Right. And and you, you hit the nail on the head with, you know, what is the recruiters, what is, what's the top skill or talent that a recruiter brings to the table? And I would argue that it's, you know, to your point, empathy, but also the relationship building aspect, right? That's that's part of any any sales transaction, whether it be a new job or, or something somebody's buying, you know, being able to possess and, and guide that relationship and get them to trust you and be empathetic toward them. I, I don't see AI ever being able to, to do that, right? There's no way to, to make that seem authentic enough and it wouldn't be authentic. <laughs> so, you know, this is what we need the recruiters on. We need them doing this activity, right? Building those authentic relationships with talent, guiding them through the process and, and moving them on to, to that position they have available for them. And then all the other manual work and, and, and analysis work can be done with, with, with AI, you know, or with automation tools. So what else do you think employers should consider if their goal is to liberate recruiters from all these onerous administrative and process tasks and really do the things that they do best, what else should they be looking at in order for that magic to happen? 
one of the things I think we see from our end, so uh, being a job board, uh, you know, a, a career site, a lot of our clients are implementing a lot of these tools, right? So we're getting a lot of feedback from clients on how our, our job boards are performing as they bring on these different tools. And I think it's really interesting. So sometimes we'll be the, you know, for example, the number one performer of, of sourcing candidates for a, you know, a staffing agency, for example, right? Staffing agency brings on an automation tool. And now we're the worst, you know? And, you know, we will have a conversation with them and say, well, wait a minute, last month we were the number one performer. What happened? Well, we brought on this tool. But what does the tool do? It text blasts, you know, the recruiters five times in the, a day until they, until they answer back. And, and you know, we've, we've got a 13% unsubscribe rate and, and, you know, spam rate, for, you know, since we've, you know, and it, but it came from your job board. So it must be, it must be your candidates. So it's like, well, no. You know, think about that for a second. You're, you're, you're bringing in people, you know, you're looking to build that relationship with them. But instead of doing that, you're spamming them. You're, you're, you're text messaging them five times a day, every day for a week. So they put a complaint in or unsubscribe to the list and you're complaining against the initial source. Perhaps, perhaps this tool isn't working for you. Perhaps, I mean, it sounds great, but you have to think back, you know, back to the, the way it was, right? Would you want to be spammed every day for five days with a tool if you were looking for a job? No. So it's just funny to me how the, a lot of these clients are bringing on these tools and they're sold by the, 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 the you know, it's going to save money. It's going to do the job. You know, literally this guy that I'm telling you about when he, when he was sold this tool, they sold it to him as it will replace five recruiters. And that was all he heard. It's going to replace five recruiters and give the same amount of work, same amount of results. And he's not looking at the fact that it's it's giving the candidates a horrible experience. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I would say I would say to the you know people looking to bring these tools in, make sure you know what you're getting, but really look under the hood of how it's actually working. Right? It's kind of one of those things you can you can have it cheap, fast, and good, but you can't have all three. And I've ever heard that one before. You can either have it good, cheap, or fast, but you're not going to have it as all three. It's the same thing with recruiting. These promises that a lot of these HR tech vendors are making about replacing an entire team or being, you know, just plug it in and walk away. Not true. You know, so I'd really recommend that people just take a second. Don't leave the magic of recruiting that has made, you know, these companies really successful over the time and, and just think that it can be replicated with a tool and just flipped over. I'd also like to expand our discussion around sourcing. We've been talking about job postings and that's obviously a topic that we could spend uh, days on, but I want to talk about recruitment marketing, because if there's any place where an organization has an opportunity to build relationships, particularly with the non-active side of the population, and, you know, CompTIA just released their annual job seeker survey report, and just 27% of the population are actively searching for a job. Now, that, that doesn't mean that uh, the, the other 75% plus uh, aren't. A lot of those folks are warm prospects, uh, and I call them prospects consciously. They aren't candidates, they aren't job seekers, but they are prospects. And the key to motivating them to pay attention to your opportunity, to pay to pay enough attention to even apply, is to build that relationship. And And there's a place where that empathy, that creative thinking can really come into play, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and recruitment marketing is that's where we dive in, right? That's that's our biggest our biggest thing. I mean, we have the you know, we power all these job boards with hundreds of thousands of candidates. It's amazing. 
you know, we've really been leaning in over the last several years to passive candidates for that reason, right? You know, really bringing, you know, the active candidates, but also expanding as far as building a brand and, and, and creating that narrative to, to clients, or I'm sorry, to candidates that, you know, aren't really looking right now, but could be. Right, especially in the last few years, as everybody was with the great resignation, everybody was moving around, being able to kind of market those stories to to those individuals and say, "Hey, you know, you're not looking, but could you be? Or here's what's available." Uh, really taking advantage of that social trend of, of people moving really, really helped us. Being in the healthcare industry over the last couple of years, that's been really interesting because uh, one of our boards is in the travel nursing industry. And I don't know if you know anything about travel nursing, but over the last couple of years with COVID and everything else like that, it was completely gangbusters. It was, you know, these everybody were, was leaving hospitals to go work as a travel nurse, sometimes coming back to the same hospital and job they were working at, but for three times the pay as a travel nurse, literally coming back to the same place. And the, you know these nurses were getting you know two three hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, you know four times what they're usually making because these hospitals were going nuts. Well, post COVID, if we can say that they're literally all going back to the hospital because the hospitals have really started to increase how they recruit and retain, um, and that market is completely shifting. So this is a good example of of how you know a recruitment market. You have to be nimble to the messaging. You have to be nimble to what's actually happening. You have to be you have to understand what's actually happening in that. That, ma that micro economy, right? So we've completely changed our recruitment marketing based on these big, massive, pivotal uh, shifts. Um, you know, but also moving to things like programmatic. I know that uh, you know TA Tech's a big uh, you know proponent of of the programmatic vendors and, and all that has bring to the space. I and mean, that's been a game changer. You know, and I, I think we're just getting started on on the programmatic front. You know. Yeah, and and I also uh, want to suggest that this creativity, freeing recruiters up to do the things they do best could really create a renaissance in recruiting, it seems to me, because that creativity can be expressed as you were just describing recruitment marketing, as we talked about earlier with job ads, but also even in the way that they conceptualize, a company conceptualizes its career site. You know, so many of those uh, those sites are, are so boring, you know, they put a brick to sleep. You know, here's an opportunity for the really best parts of recruiters to, to shine. I was once told that SHRM did a survey of its membership, and they were surprised to find that the largest single cohort of the SHRM membership was recruiters. And I think that's because, you know, recruiters genuinely are people people. They want to really help people achieve career success. They want to help people uh, advance themselves in their profession, craft, or trade. And they want to, of course, help employers get the talent they need to succeed. So I think we should look at technology as a way for recruiters to do all of the things that enable them to do that best, to be the best people person they can be. Yeah, and I, I always make really strong parallels when I when we, we train recruiters and when we train uh, you know salespeople, for example, the same. We make really strong parallels to those two professions. In fact, I've had really great success with uh, you know repurposing salespeople into recruiting in certain extents because there's so many strong parallels between the the you know people that want to go and sell and have build relationships and move people through a product or service to the same thing in recruiting. 
And, you know, when I look in like the sales side of things, right, like how we use automation for sales, we're using it for the manual tasks, but, we're let, we, but we'll never, ever use it to replace that relationship that is so important in sales. And I think that's where it has to be viewed through the prism of recruiting, right? To your point, we need to get, you know, these recruiters in, at, you know, caring on people, moving them through the process of, of finding a new career, but building that long-term relationship. And for, for example, in the traveler's industry I was just talking about, every 13 weeks, they have a new assignment. So there's never been such a pivotal need to build a relationship in this case with a nurse as they're in in this in this industry because every 13 weeks that person could come back to that recruiter and be placed at, at another facility another hospital so you could technically book a nurse for several years multiple times a year if you but that only happens if you maintain the relationship even post sale post going to work somewhere they're still calling them to ask how it is they're still checking in with them and they're starting to get them ready to start thinking about where they want to go next what facility they want to go to and you know with recruiting i think it has to be that kind of way too even at you know post placing somebody somewhere uh in certain industries the tenure is i mean the tenure now for staying in a job is, is a couple years right uh depending on the industry it's less or more so you know, even post-sale for these recruiters to be able to maintain those relationships, right? We've ha we have had recruiters that have placed people in, in five years, you know, two or three times in different roles, especially in technology. You know, so yeah, that relationship building side is so important. Well, unfortunately, as always, we've run out of time. Uh, we could go on and on in this conversation. It's been fascinating, Oliver. I've learned a lot. So thank you for joining us. If people would like to follow up with you or learn more about Track 5, what's the best way for them to connect? Sure. It's uh, they can visit us online at track five. That's T R A C K F I V E dot com. Uh, learn more about a career platforms or recruitment marketing and agency, things like that. They're welcome to reach out or they can find me at LinkedIn, Oliver Feekins. So thank you again. And thank you to all of you who've listened to our podcast today uh, and came on back for our next episode because Start Smart is the place where you look at the best practices, the most innovative ideas and making sure that the technology you acquire delivers the improvements that you're looking for. And that all begins with good implementation. Thanks very much. Talk to you next time. That concludes this episode of Start Smart. Thanks very much for joining us. And come back for our next episodes on the latest research that will help you shape your talent acquisition with the facts. See you then.